Thank you, Beck, and the team for leading us so powerfully and reminding us of who God is and what he's done. Uh, my name's Robin Carter. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, just have the privilege of sharing God's word with us this morning and uh, just want to welcome those who are here for our second service and also for those who are online. It's great to have you sharing with us and we pray that you'll be blessed as you join us online and are uh, just worshipping and praising in your lounge room, on the lounge, uh, wherever you might be. Um, it's great to have you uh, sharing with us. One of the things and uh, what Beck shared with me, uh, with us this morning prompted me to share this. When we had the worship uh, and prayer night a month or two ago, and we had a sheet of butcher's paper over there and people could write things that they felt God had put on their heart, things that they felt God uh, was saying to them or to us as a church. And one of the things that I wrote down was in Psalm 40, and it's a personal test in me, and I believe a prophetic word uh, for us as a church. In Psalm 40, just a couple of verses, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. As we share what God has done for us, as we're open about who God is and what he's done, then there will be many people who will come to know the love and the grace of God. And we'll see a little about that as we uh, look at the um, passage that we've got this morning, uh, continuing with the series, uh, the Reset series from uh, Hebrews 13. Dave gave a great intro message. It's one of the best messages I've heard, particularly on that particular passage about uh, leaders and people submitting to leaders. He reminded us all that uh, many of us are leaders in many ways in the home, in the workplace, in church, and it's not just about pastors and that we need to emulate Christ and uh, people uh, only follow us to the extent that we reflect the character of Christ. And then there was another great message on worship reminding us um, of praising God in the good times and the hard time and Beck is a great example of someone who gives praise to God from the depths of her heart both in the good times and the hard times and I just want to affirm you publicly for that Beck. And then a message last week from Joel uh, on the importance of God's word and the power of God's words and the power of the word of grace to transform us and to shape our lives as we realize how incredibly loved we are uh, by God. And I have the privilege this morning to share uh, the fourth message in this series on mission outside of the gate. And the whole thing about outside of the gate will unfold as the message unfolds. One of the things that uh, uh, is very obvious both in the life of the church and in the wider community is that good news uh, spreads fast. We cannot help often to share uh, good news. Um, when Carl and Donna got engaged, the buzz went on to Facebook. People and friends were sharing and talking about it. Those who knew them couldn't help but uh, talk about it and share it with others. It was uh, very readily passed on and spread very quickly. When Dan and Helen, uh, when Hannah was born, it was a time of rejoicing and people uh, quickly were sharing and talking and passing on the news. We had the baptisms last week. Uh, when there were baptisms happening, people were abuzz about who's getting baptised and what's happening. And once it happened, it was just great to share. Uh, that morning and to pass on and talk about it with others and in due course I'm sure when 
uh, and I'll say when, not if, but when there's some announcement about property regarding Hills Baptist, I'm sure the news will spread fast amongst us, whatever that announcement may be at some point, but also I'm sure it will quickly spread beyond our church community and people will become aware of it. But also on social media, they've found that traditionally with newspapers in the, in the old paradigm where you all, the only way you got news was in the paper was bad news sells and if you wanted to make uh, plenty of money and sell plenty of papers, you put some, always the bad news was uh, some tragedy, some horrific event would catch people's attention. But on Facebook and in personal conversations and when we're talking to people we know to some degree, um, it's the good news that actually spreads faster. The other news will be passed on in different ways. And they gave reasons of, uh, that people are more sensitive about. They want, don't want to be seen as just always negative and sad and sharing bad things. But somehow that's good news seems to spread faster personally and on social media than, than do uh, the tragedies and the bad news that so often is also out there. And this morning, we are focusing particularly on the fact that the gospel is good news and is something uh, to be shared. And in Hebrews 13, I'd like to read, uh, it's only three verses, and we'll see what God's got to say to us about what this good news is that needs to be shared. In Hebrews 13, uh, 11 to 14, it says, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. Let us pray as we come to see what God is saying to us this morning uh, from these two or three verses. Father, we ask that as we look at what your word is saying this morning, just two or three verses that point to uh, just incredible things that you've done to show your love. And Father, we ask that your spirit and your word would speak to our hearts, birth something in us, Father, that perhaps hasn't been there before, and may we uh, be more deeply aware uh, and more transformed into your image as we look at your word together now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message of good news is something which uh, is summed up, and you'll see in a moment how this is uh, in verse 11. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy. To understand how this is good news, you have to bear with me and hold on as we look at a couple of things at uh, atonement in the Old Testament, because then you'll begin to see more deeply what uh, Christ has uh, done for us. In verse 11, it says, The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside of the camp. One of the things, and I uh, want us to understand that um, in the Old Testament, people were just as much saved by faith in the person of Jesus as we are. They look forward to a Messiah and they practice the rituals of sacrifice to point to the Messiah who would come and their faith and hope in the Messiah 
Messiah who would come that was pictured in all the sacrifices that took place was uh, their expression of faith was just as much a work of God's grace in their lives as we look back to what Jesus has done. So when we on once a year uh, for the whole nation of Israel, there was a day of atonement where the high priest uh, would make sacrifices for people's sins. There were five animals that were part of uh, making the atonement sacrifice. There was a bull, two rams and two goats. And the bull and the rams were for the sacrifice uh, for the sins of the priest because there was a greater responsibility on the priest, a, a pastor or anybody in, in, with responsibility who sins. There's a greater accountability before God. But the bull and the two rams, uh, would be uh, their blood would be sprinkled in the altar to make cleansing for sin. And then the offal and the skin and all the bits and pieces that were left over were taken outside the camp and destroyed and, and burnt and, and, and taken away from from the temple but then there were the two goats and what the priests would do they would if you like cast loss it says in the scriptures but basically they would flip a coin and one goat would be to sacrifice in as where the bull and the uh, and the rams were sacrificed would be sacrificed uh, for the people's sins in in the in the uh, holy of holies where the altar was for cleansing of sin uh, in in, in, the, in the temple, but the second goat was uh, for the people's sins. And what uh, would happen is that the priest would take the goat out to the door of the temple and to the, to the gate of the city and he would p- put his hands uh, on the goat's head and he would confess uh, the sins of the people. He would name the sins of God's people. And uh, where we... Uh, Read that verse, which was touched on in one of the worship songs about being made white as snow. Um, um, Though where sins are scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Where that passage is in Isaiah, it's talking about the nation had neglected uh, the orphans and the widows and the aliens and the refugees and the people that God had brought to them. They were treating them as though they were... uh, not in the image of God. They weren't uh, doing what God had commanded them to do. And so all these sins were being cleansed and they were being made as a nation white as snow in God's eyes. But these sins had to be named and they would be named while the priest had his hand on the goat's head. And then the goat would be led, someone would take the goat way out of the city to be released and never to return. The sins symbolically were on the goat, the goat's head, The goat was released, never to return, and went out into the wilderness, never to return, which is speaking of the fact that uh, the people's sins was totally uh, removed from as far as the east is from the west. They were no longer to be held against the people for the things uh, that they had done. In Psalm 103 verse 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions uh, from you. And then we need, as we keep in our minds this whole, there's a whole lot more detail I could go into about this, these atonement sacrifices, but they are the key things that relate to Jesus as our atoning sacrifice in Hebrews 13 verse 12. And so Jesus also suffered outside the gate to make the people holy through his own blood. 
Do you see the reference to and the Jesus being uh, um, our sacrifice for sin, how it relates to what the uh, Jewish people used to do in the Old Testament? And then in John 3, uh, 16, uh, 16 and 17, very familiar verses might take on a little bit more meaning when we read the words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Do you see? He gave him as a, if you like, an atoning sacrifice. And the word scapegoat comes from this Old Testament reference to the goat was referred to as a scapegoat. Someone, if you like, in this case a goat, who took uh, the blame for something they didn't do. Jesus, if you like, is our scapegoat. He took upon himself the things that he didn't do and he uh, bore them in himself that we might be made holy and right and know that we are loved by God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God, and we often leave out verse 17, and I think it's a reminder for us, particularly this morning, when we talk about the gospel being good news. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save uh, the world through him. And it's so important that we communicate that sense that God is reaching out in love to all of humanity, that God is reaching out in love to you and uh, to your neighbour and to your uh, family members. But so often the church can get it wrong and we, in the name of preaching the gospel, sometimes we don't communicate uh, the fact that God is saying uh, in the person of Jesus that you are incredibly loved and you, you are longed for by the living God. Let me relate a story that Floyd McClung, a YWAM, a leader, an international leader in YWAM, wrote a book called The Father Heart of God. And in that book, um, he talks about uh, the opposite message that um, a, a particular young man had had uh, during his life. We're meant to be sharing good news. People's sin has been dealt with. People are holy in love. And this is the most powerful message we can share. And whether it's God himself and us speaking what we think is God's word and the gospel to people, or whether it's a parent, this young man that uh, Floyd McClung writes about, uh, he had a ministry in Afghanistan to drug addicts and people who were wandering often uh, from uh, Western countries who were disillusioned with all our consumerism and worship of uh, wealth and material possessions and they're often into drugs and looking for adventure. But this one young man uh, opened up at one point and he said to Floyd McClung, do you want to hear about the happiest day of my life and he said uh, these words in a torrent of hostility could be heard in his voice as he said the happiest day of my life when I was 11 year old and both my parents were killed in a car accident they constantly told me they hated me and didn't care about me my mother reminded me constantly I was a mistake they didn't want me uh, and I'm glad they are dead and imagine if those parents had told him that he was loved, that he was wanted, that he was welcome in the family, that he belonged. Uh, and so often I think the church can get the message wrong when we try to share the gospel. We're busy telling people they're sinners. I want to tell you, most people know they've stuffed up. Most people know in their heart they've been given a conscience. They already know they're sinners. And sometimes we just emphasise that uh, as a starting message. But uh, as we read uh, in John 3.16, God so loved that he sent his only son. And then verse 17, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save. 
Is that the message that we primarily share when we're talking about the gospel? Do people hear a message of the love and the grace of God? Jesus told the story of the wedding banquet, inviting people. Uh, the well-to-do, self-righteous people ignored the invitation. Those who were struggling in life uh, were welcomed and came to the wedding banquet. And when, when people know that they are loved, when people feel accepted, guess what they do? They share their struggles. If you like, they repent. When the first message is that you are loved and accepted, then people feel safe and they will talk about their sins. They will talk about their struggles. They will open up. They'll want to change. They'll want to be different because they're suddenly in a safe place. And so uh, um, I've seen this uh, on pastor's retreats. Uh, next weekend I'll be leading a group of uh, seven of us going away. It will be on the houseboat. Uh, but we'll be focused on uh, just uh, creating a covenant at the beginning of our time where it's a place of grace, a place of... Uh, just as God has accepted us, where we accept one another despite our theological or ministry diversity or whatever it may be. And I've been involved in these uh, pastors' renewal retreats for over 15 years now. And I've heard pastors just suddenly open up and share their sins, share their struggles, share what God is saying to them, share their desire to be what God wants them to be and to change things in their life. Grace, the message of grace and love is the primarily message that we need uh, to, be, uh, to be sharing uh, with other people. That's how God brings us back into his family. He declares his love, he's done all that's necessary, the work of the cross, the atonement, all those things. But out of that, we declare to people that they are loved by God. And just as God brings us back to himself by a message of love, so too, if you are parents here this morning, or if you've got a friend who's, who's wronged you in some way, or you feel alienated from someone in the workplace, <coughs> I want to say to you that the, if you just keep reminding them of their wrong and their sin and what they've done against you, I don't think that's going to restore the relationship. But if you communicate acceptance regardless of what they've done, if you communicate that they're someone that you still love even if they've wronged you, then they will, if anything is going, there's no guarantee. Look, half the world, probably more than half the world hasn't responded. Much of the world hasn't responded to the love message of God's love. But if anything is going to bring change, it is the reminder that people are loved, both by God and they will see that love by how we treat people, by the way we, as those who claim to be followers of Jesus, the kind of things we say and the, the way we treat them. And this message of grace and love, this message that God has done all that's necessary to bring us back into his family, will spontaneously share, uh, spread um, as it becomes a reality in our lives. We've already at the start of my message, I talked about how good news spreads very quickly. When you're excited about something, you can't help but talk to people and pass it on and uh, let them know uh, what you're excited about. Some of you may be aware, many may not. Dean Matherham wrote a book called Gospel Incandescent. And he says in that evangelism is the spillover of the heart and mind too full to contain the full reality of the gospel. There's something so good happening that it will just spill over. I've been to many evangelism workshops and how to share the gospel and six sessions and write your little story. And 
Some of those things are helpful, but often I come away probably feeling slightly guilty, maybe depressed that I haven't been doing it, or after that I get depressed because I don't do it as much as they tell you you should. And it's just a works thing where I'm trying to do a certain method or do some way of telling people about Jesus. But then something's happened in my own personal journey where I've become deeply aware of the grace and the love of God. And whether it's someone who's a complete atheist who has no time for God and is even angry at the church, I feel quite free and open just to say, I just want you to know the one message that I want you to know is that you are loved by the living God. And that might be all I say, but I will guarantee you that by the work of the Holy Spirit, those words will burn into their heart. That will be something that will stay with them. The words that they are loved uh, by the living God. Even on social media, and I mentioned uh, TikTok in the last service where it's a new thing which I haven't engaged with. Um, the Americans or some people in America, I don't know why you think that's funny, but <laughs> the Americans, some Americans think it's a threat to their national security because it comes from China. Um, but there's something more powerful on TikTok. A little one minute, I think, very short videos where people have their moment of fame. But there is one thing on there, and that's the gospel. There's a group of people uh, called uh, Operation 513. Um, and uh, TikTok's got uh, 800 million people that are connected with this, uh, this media, social media program. And these guys who are just wanting to be salt and light and share the grace of God and share uh, the, uh, the gospel with people reduced half-hour and one-hour seminars and workshops and messages to little one-minute um, snapshots where they have put them on TikTok and one of them has had up over 700,000 um, views. For some reason, something they were saying connected. Something about the good news of the grace and the love of God has caused people just to want to... Re they must just see the beginning of it and then just uh, uh, keep listening and find out uh, what's being shared. Christmas is coming for those. I'm sorry to remind you if you hadn't thought about it. Christmas is on the way. One of the stories that are very... One of the things that happened 2,000 years ago, a bunch of shepherds heard angels announcing the good news that a saviour is born and his name is Christ the Lord. They saw and heard and experienced the angels. Then they ran and just couldn't help but tell, uh, tell people what they'd seen and heard and couldn't help but pass on uh, the message uh, that they had not only heard but experienced as they listened um, to, the, to the angels' announcements. Uh, Peter and John uh, when they were hauled before the religious leaders and told, don't keep talking about the grace of God, don't keep talking about the cross, don't keep talking about a God who is uh, present in the person of Jesus. And they said these words in Acts 4.20, we cannot help but share what we have seen and heard, for we, on our part, cannot stop telling people about what we have seen and heard. And I want to say, relax in the grace of God. Don't try and share Jesus out of guilt. Wait till you know something of the reality of the grace of God. I've said over quite a number of years, I've said if you, if you aren't sort of overflowing with something that God has done for you, not meaning you've, everything's been wonderful, but if you don't have a deep sense of the reality of the God of love, then just God's love for you, then just keep your mouth shut. 
you'll probably do more harm than good if you try and go through some little tract or do something that uh, isn't flowing from your heart. It's as we share from the overflow of our experience and our awareness of the love of God that people will be drawn to the very thing uh, that you are talking about. But then we come to the... um, uh, well, another, uh, Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So we can just be alive and to what God has done and spend time just reflecting on the grace of God if you want to be an evangelist. And something will happen that you won't be able to help but share. But we need to do it outside the gate, beyond the... F- just with each other. We need to hear those words of encouragement as we hear what God is doing in people's lives. Um, Hebrews 13 verse 13 says, let us go outside the camp bearing the disgrace that he bore. When you share that, um, share, tell people that they are loved by God, when you share what God has done for you, just as Jesus came for no other purpose than to bring the love of God into the world, to declare and by his actions and his words to communicate love, they hung him on a cross. So not everybody's going to love you because you tell them that they're loved. But tell them they're loved anyway. You're not going to do any harm. And uh, then trust God's spirit to be at work in their hearts. It's a message that the world needs to hear. Because of sin, because of guilt, Shame is one of the most powerful, negative, destructive forces in people's lives. They need to know that their failings uh, and their sin has been dealt with. That's why self-esteem is such a, low self-esteem is such a big issue because deep down people know I'm not what I ought to be. And shame uh, affects our spiritual and our emotional life. It also uh, come, it can come when we haven't even done something wrong, we can feel shame and just have that sense of shame uh, in our lives. People can experience shame over their body, over their family of origin, over something a family member's done. They can feel shame and it becomes part of their identity. Guilt flows from actions, shame becomes part of your identity and the message of God's grace and love that your sin and your failings Uh, and that you're loved and wanted in the family of God begins to sow a seed, a spark of the spirit of grace in their lives that uh, deals with that shame. Shame affects people physically, causing can cause depression and self-medicating, even self-harm in its worst forms. Um, And shame will convince us of things that are not even true as we let shame shape our lives. The message of grace, the message that you're loved by the living God, your love that you give to a neighbour, to a friend, to someone in the church can make the difference between guilt and shame or a sense of joy in being loved. And Jesus felt all those things. He was on false charges. I haven't got COVID, but I did have a bit of hay fever this morning. That's a, tissue, that's a paper towel from the kitchen and it does the same job. Jesus bore our shame. He was on false charges and and he was hung on the cross. He didn't get off. And the false charges were because of jealousy of the religious leaders. He felt the social shame of a terrorist like Barabbas being released instead of him, even when Pilate offered to release Jesus. He was shamed by his friends. They walked away from him. 
Judas betrayed him. Nine of them just ran away. Uh, four sort of half followed. John was the only one who hung around the cross, but still in the background. Peter denied him three times. But also, we often emphasise the pain of the cross. But the shame, physical shame, like not sanitised pictures, not like the sanitised pictures we often see. Uh, Jesus was hung naked and bleeding in public view and bore the shame uh, that we uh, bore our shame as well as felt the shame. He is not someone who can't identify with what we uh, go, feel and go through. And so I finish with saying that uh, let the eternal hope that you have uh, give you courage. The last uh, two verses or the, um, yeah, the last, last verse, verse 14 of the three verses we read, it says, on this earth we don't have a city that lasts forever, but we are waiting for such a city. And that's why we go outside of this building. We go outside of the safety of our people who we feel safe and secure with and share the fact that with people that they are loved by the living God. We go outside of our security zone. And that security zone is often with people who agree with us who have the same views, it almost went off the podium last service. We often feel safe and secure with people who think the same as us. This was written to people who were used to the Jewish rituals, uh, the security of that, the things they went through when they gathered. Um, and uh, there were people who were walking away from that putting their faith in Christ, knowing that they were a child of God and forgiven. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, just, uh, and they would be ridiculed when they followed Jesus and they accepted the grace and the love that was in Christ and they decided they didn't need to go through those rituals anymore. I want to say that even in our evangelical churches, we can become secure in the, the rituals and things that we don't call them rituals, but the, the, the motions we go through, the things that we do and find security in them. Um, and we lose sight of the fact that our security is in the person of Jesus. Our security is in his grace and his love. And that we can speak it outside the four walls of this church unashamedly and boldly. And if we bear shame, uh, as in if we are ridiculed or mocked, then we do it because we know that we have an inheritance that is not an earthly inheritance. God isn't here to preserve the institution of the church or parachurch organisations, even though they be Christian. He's here to proclaim his grace and love, to make it known, to bring people into his family, to bring people um, into uh, fellowship with himself. And if our security is in any of these things, then God is challenging us to step out of that. A final scripture, Hebrews 10. Some people who were so secure in the eternal kingdom that they served... It says to there in verse 33 of Hebrews 10, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully, and here's a challenge to us in Western culture where we're so focused on having a home and having wealth and having possessions and being secure with our retirements and whatever and getting really angry if the government, uh, which that doesn't happen in, in here in Australia, they confiscate our property. But it says you, you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves 
had better and lasting uh, possessions. I find that incredibly challenging. Would I move heaven and earth if my home and my car and my bank accounts were drained unjustly for the wrong reasons, not because I'd been silly, but because someone just took it? Would I joyfully accept that knowing, well, I'm a child of God, I'm only here for a season, I have opportunity to share my faith and I could uh, hold those things lightly. For those who, um, yeah, obviously most of you weren't here for the first service, Steve Tennant talked about how he was challenged by an opportunity uh, to go to America um, where... Uh, Piff could have had a job and he had to let go of all the things that he was, he had a good business, he's got a good business, but he had to come to the point of saying, yes, I can let go of that. And then he shared in his testimony how uh, that was uh, something that uh, that he hasn't had to do. And he used the example of how um, yeah, Abraham took Isaac up there, willing to sacrifice him, but then he didn't have to. Stephen and Piff had that experience where they were willing to make great sacrifice, but then God provided uh, for them to stay here. But let me finish with this statement, just for all of us, to let the eternal hope that you have give you courage to go outside the gate and share the love of God no matter what it costs. Just tell people that they're loved. That's all I'm uh, encouraging us to do. In conversation, when it's appropriate, when the Spirit prompts, Just tell people that God loves you and see uh, what God does. There's a mission that we uh, fund here uh, from this church, from Hills Baptist in the Middle East, Miracle Connect, that um, they use local people who know the culture and know the language are sharing the love of God in a very powerful way. And I'm going to ask Craig and Kathy uh, to come and share. Um, and uh, there's an opportunity uh, for you to respond afterwards. So thank you, uh, Craig and Kathy. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app. 